It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. film lovers and welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday we may update, at filmsociology.tumblr.com. Uh... Still producing the show on my own, but I have company in in town, which is nice because it's hard to do a talk show when you're by yourself. Uh, We have author, bookstore owner, and a woman I've uh, directed in a a show, full disclosure, and also shared a stage with Kate Glenn. How are you, Kate? I'm good. Thank you. Now, Kate is the author of The Misadventures of Martin Hathaway, which is available online and soon in stores and is co-owner of the Two Sisters Bookstore in the beautiful Depot District in beautiful downtown Richmond, Indiana, which is only an hour away, folks, contrary to popular belief. It can be done. So Kate's going to hang out with me today, and uh, we'll talk. Well, we have a myriad of things we want to talk about, but uh, I want to start with opening in theaters this weekend, of course, um, before we get to the big film, we have Sing Street, which is the new film from the director of Once and Begin Again, which is about a, a teenage boy trying to win the heart of an older girl by forming a band, because that's what kids did in the early 80s. Sounds like a solid plan. Uh, absolutely. So, um, and actually, if you listen to, I think it was yesterday's um, Fresh Air, there's an interview with the director, so you can go check that out. But but that you know that's that, that's the small film alternative because I don't think there's anything else opening this weekend because nobody wants to go up against Captain America: Civil War, the biggest film of the year this month. As well, it should be. And uh, so I guess I, I will say this is the the second of the uh, interfighting superhero movies. Of course, the last one being the very drawn out and disappointing Batman versus Superman. Um, full disclosure, Kate and I saw the film last night, and she had a Marvel shirt on. 
I did. So Guilty we, as charged. Yeah, so yeah. So basically, we have um, an argument among the Avengers over how to be treated. Should they be independent contractors? Yes, it is coming to this. Should they be <laughs> independent contractors, or should they listen to a big UN decision to? Uh, that they cherry pick what the Avengers can go fight against because you know the last couple of films, well, the last several superhero films, a lot of property damage, a lot, lot of downtown street damage and building damage and lots of casualties. So I guess that needs to be amend. So um, I, I think this is going to be fun from a couple different perspectives. One, you wore a Marvel shirt yesterday. Mm-hmm. Two, <laughs> I every time I, I sit down to a superhero movie, I start to roll my eyes because I've seen. All of them. And then something will happen that will make me enjoy it more than I thought I would. So, Kate, you, you are my guest. Um, lots of, of course, some of the, lots of the usual suspects are in this one and in a few new faces. Some I forgot that were involved in this, like Paul Bettany and Martin Freeman and Chadwick Boseman is now into the fold. Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd is in this. Um, Daniel Brühl, fine uh, German actor. Or is he Austrian? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um Really fun guy who was in Inglorious Bastards and and Rush. Uh, he is the main villain in this, and not even twenty years old. A guy named Tom Holland as a very spazzy teenage Spider Man. But uh, he was wonderful. I absolutely loved him. But Kate, your your thoughts on on the film itself? Because you've been looking forward to this. I have. I very much. <clears throat> I've been very much looking forward to this. I Captain America is my favorite. Absolutely. Um, and I really I just love this team that they have built for the Marvel movies. I, the team of actors and then. Of course, the concept of the Avengers anyway, but I just think they're both they're fantastically done. And this is a time to really pit them against each other for some issues. And everybody, everybody wants to know who's going to win in the fight. And the answer is you. (laughs) (laughs) Are you working with Stan Lee? Yeah. So there there is I will say it is similar. There's it it is two and a half hours long. Um, It was very long. it, it, It I think it can be shortened. But like Batman, Superman, there's a lot of setup. Now, so the question is, because I have a teenage daughter at home who is scared to death of having to watch everything in order to understand and follow. So I guess this is the other one. Is, um, is, is, you know, how is it as a standalone film? There is a, for me, like I said, it could be probably 20 minutes shorter. But, there's, because, but there is a lot of setup since we have to introduce so many characters so it, it, it does take a bit, but I will say, and I don't think this is really giving away a whole lot, and I know this is where Kate and I agree, once we get to the airport... Then we're good to go. Then we're good to go. All, um, all the all the property gets damaged. There there is an action scene at the beginning, and there's an action scene at the end. And I'm older, and I'm crustier, and I actually want to see things fight each other. So I don't need to cut every you know I don't need Michael Bay cuts every half a second. But the the one in the middle to to use an old wrestling to pro wrestling term term a battle royale. Absolutely happens, and you, you know there's a lose. I, you know the, the the trailers obviously allude to it. There's scenes of like one ha- the Captain America half and the uh, Iron Man half just running at each other. It looks like yeah, the Battle of the Super Friends title sequence. Um, that's that's the highlight of the film. It is really really enjoyable to watch all of these guys go at each other. Absolutely, and it's great to watch too because you know that they are also reluctant to go at each other, and that they're mm-hmm. not quite going at their full capacity until one of them gets mad. And that's that's just beautifully written, beautifully done. And yeah, there's a couple of acknowledgments of you're pulling your punches mm-hmm. and and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I so I like this more than I thought I would. I, I just uh, another one. I have to go see another one. And I guess also the bar was set low because it just had to be better than Batman versus Superman. Right. Well, when you're making the same movie, that helps. I really don't know why DC got in there on that one. They 
definitely a later release or maybe a different plot line knowing that that was coming but props to them for trying and yeah so i and and tom i kept looking to see what i knew tom holland from cuz he again he's Spider-Man, as as we all know, he's apparently he's getting younger and younger and younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, his, his so guys, especially guys, you'll appreciate this. So Peter Parker's aunt has gone from Julie Harris to Sally Field to now Marissa Tomei. That was weird. It took me a minute to figure. There's out There's a lot she of creepy was. guys out there. That's like way to go. Um, I th- so of course <laughs> I think next I think the next film it'll be Ariel Winter. So nice. Nice. or Emma Watson. <laughs> Very well could be, but I mean, I forgot he was in the Impossible, um, which was the Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor the, the the flooding film on the island. And then I just saw him, God, a couple months ago because I rented and I actually liked it. And I don't understand why not not enough people got to see uh, in the Heart of the Sea, huh. the Moby Dick film that wasn't mm-hmm. Moby Dick, right? So, uh, but yeah, he I, I told uh, this I'm the only guy that can make a comparison between uh, Captain America: Civil War and The Expendables Three because Antonio Banderas plays the exact same role of just this spazzy, wiry guy who's really happy to be a part of the group, even though nobody really wants him there. Uh, but the but the treatment of the Spider-Man character is it is a, it is a nice little breath of fresh air, and it's nice to see Paul Rudd good. into the fold. As I said, um, yeah, that 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 main sequence is worth the price of admission. It was great to see Spider-Man actually be a teenager too, and not us just telling us he was a or, teenager. Or, or a twenty-eight-year-old guy playing a teenager. Right, absolutely. No, I, I I appreciated him being a teen and an actual teen having teen problems and trying really hard to impress people and live up to being Spider-Man. So. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, there's get yeah, folks, there's going to be another origin story. Sorry. But I think with Sony, they're going to keep putting out Spider-Man films until you have to pry it from their cold dead hands. So <laughs> so yeah, the actors will get younger and younger and and that's what that will be. So anyway, um and it does without giving away much, it does leave a good step for the next film whatever that will be. Because now that we've had fights among friends, and now you know who's who's going to be bitter, and who's going to you know who who's going to hold a grudge, and who isn't. Uh, yeah, I think they set it up pretty nicely that they're all back together, go team. But um, I guess that's a spoiler. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all okay. Nobody gets scared. Right. But and nobody dies for your sins. Nobody's a Christ right. figure. This is actually this is no. This is actually probably something that people, big fans might actually want to know going in because, of course, in the comic book storyline Civil War, uh, Captain America's toast. And so it was really great that he got oh, to... I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it's, I was a little worried about it because, I, I, you know, it, the Winter Soldier's great, Bucky Barnes is fine, but there's for me, there's only so much screen time I actually want him to have, and so I was a little afraid that that might be the direction they were going, and I'm, I'm happy to say, nope, Chris, everybody lives. Chris Evans will still have a check coming in. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. We'd all need to support Chris Evans. He's very special to me. <laughs> wow, did not know that. Well, yeah. I know that now, I guess. I mean, I missed Thor. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Yes. Well, there there will be others. Yes. Of course, no, there are going to be ready. others because it makes Ragnarok so is coming. And uh, and uh, yeah, Stanley. I'll, t- I'll give you. Stanley shows up near the end. Don't worry about it. I think there was that moment where, where I actually forgot to look for Stanley. That's how much I was enjoying this film. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And I found a way. I think I want to go. I, I I I. There are certain ways. Myself as a forty-something old creepy man wants to die. <laughs> um, I think getting pounded on the top of the skull by Scarlett Johansson's pretty good. It was a good scene. I think we should all appreciate though. Again, because I I've, I read some reviews this morning, and there are some legitimate beefs about you know, hey, there are three female characters, and they never interact at all in this film, but. But 
the one point where they all are together, all three of them, really with no actual shielding or powers, just jump on the Winter Soldier and start pummeling him. And I appreciate that about them. And you mean, so this film follows that what's the rule where two women are talking in a film? Oh, God. You listen. <laughs> no, no, not, never mind. I'm okay. Sh- I can't wait for your emails to correct me on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually that's a pretty good way to. Anyway, so over overall, more more fun than I thought it would be. Not perfect, but if you're into action, you'll go for the middle part. Overall, good. Yeah, overall good. I'm wondering what was not perfect. I guess Thor wasn't in it. <laughs> no, I for me, I think it was just all the setup, all the setup and build up to get to yeah. the fight See, that's, itself. That's definitely one of the things that I appreciate about these new Marvel movies, though, is that you can you can step in, but at the same time, you can appreciate the magic of all the interest, the stories, and all the films interconnecting at the same time. So you can pick your level of nerd, and I think that's really great about them. There you go. And, uh, yeah, I keep nagging Emma about wanting to see, uh, about showing her Guardians of the Galaxy. Her her first Marvel film was Deadpool because she's, Aww. well. That was quite a jump. Have you, you know my kid. That's true. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, anyway, that is happening in theaters now. Now, we have a few other choices around town, around the state, really, at Kobe's Alma Mater, which is IU Cinema. Now, of course, it's the end of the school year this weekend. It's, God, graduation weekend. Who hang in there, families. Um, Wednesday, May 11th, will be the Best of the Fest, the 2015 Middle Coast Film Festival at 7 p.m. On Thursday, May 12th, as a part of the International Art House Series, Troublemakers, the Story of Land Art. That's at 7 o'clock on Thursday the 12th. And then, oh, this can't be true, really? Nothing until August? So mark your calendars, folks. Uh, Thursday, August 18th at IU Cinema, Spirited Away. Emma will, Emma will want to yeah. see that. And then, according to the calendar, Friday, September 9th at Bryan Park in Bloomington, War Games from 1983. Uh, that is out there. Of course, the IMA opened with their summer film series this weekend with Bad Boys. Next weekend, the 80s adventure double feature of, yeah, Adventures in Babysitting and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, that sounds fun. That's my endorsement, guys. That <laughs> sounds fun. Um, Adventures in Babysitting is okay. Yes, I like to look at Elizabeth Shue because I'm old and crabby. Um, but the, the scene, and I talked about this on the show last week, so I'll do it again. The scene where the, I don't need to have the suburban kids singing the blues backed up by Albert Collins and the Icebreakers. No, I think everyone needs that. No, I I, I don't think anyone. No, no, I, I really... I, I have, uh, by the way, I've been to clubs like this, and the, the record does not skip, <laughs> and the entire crowd does not stop and turn when I enter the room. So, I've actually been... That's Fitzgerald's in uh, in Berwyn, Illinois, but fun venue. And in Bill and Ted, that's fun. That'll, that'll, you, know, you can hear uh, Wild Stallions there. <laughs> okay, uh, over at the Historic Art Craft Theater, we have to mark your calendars for these. Uh, May 27th and 28th, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. On, uh, let's see, June 10th and 11th, if you're not at the Richmond Shakespeare Festival. Uh, Mildred Pierce, the original Mildred, Pre- Mildred Pierce, Thursday, June 16th, as a part... Oh, it's presented by Indie, uh, by PopCon Indie 2016. Night of the Comet, feature, with an appearance by Carrie, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney. That's uh, June 16th, Q&A at 645, film at 715. So that is at the Historic Art Craft Theater. And uh, so there's that. Okay, you know what? We're going to take a short break. 
And uh, we're going to talk about some DVDs and Blu-rays on uh, some titles on DVD and Blu-ray. We have a dead person we like because we never have people time for dead people we don't like. And we'll talk with Kate a little bit about her book, a little bit about the bookstore, uh, page-to-screen experiences, and then a question that was in The Onion, another wonderful open-ended question about movie experiences. So stick with us. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. on WFYI Indianapolis. I flunked sociology, so (laughs) good luck. Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msosi at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Sosi. Hanging out with my friend Kate Glenn. We saw uh, Captain America last night. That was fun. Yay. Woo, big time. Um, not as full as I thought. Now there were. Oh, the other thing we forgot to mention a couple of yeah. Over performances are everyone was supposed to do what they were supposed to do. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think this was the most real acting I've seen out of Robert Downey Jr. in a I, while. Uh, yeah, I was very proud of him. <laughs> yes, and and uh, even probably from the first film. Even oh, absolutely first from Iron the Man. first. Yeah, oh yeah. So. <laughs> and and by the way, we I would say we saw it in three D. I don't think you need to see it in three D. Um, it got a little dizzying at points in 3D. So I guess there's the gotcha moments. Well, I I don't know, but um, the only thing the only time I really noticed is when they when they flashed up on the screen what city we were in. Yeah, that was really cool. The 3D with the text was neat, um, and of course the open the, the opening the closing credits were fantastic in the right. 3D too. Those look neat. But but overall, there's I don't think I've found a film yet this year to see worthy in 3D. At least from a from a great filmmaker. It's not a Scorsese or Werner Herzog or somebody like that. Um, okay, we we have a few titles on DVD and Blu-ray, and uh, the the big title this week, um, and I know I've already been nagged by the teenager to uh, buy this when it comes out. Now I just wait for it to come out used. I'm that person. <laughs> but the latest film from David O. Russell, Joy, with uh, which got Jennifer Lawrence another Best Actress nomination, mm-hmm. and uh, surrounding her, of course, in good company with the likes of Virginia Madsen, Robert De Niro, uh, Diane Ladd. And uh, Bradley Cooper. This is based on the story of the woman who created the mop and became a uh, sensation on uh, Home Shopping Network. So did, did you see this by chance? No, I have not. It's, it, of course, David O. Russell, who gave us American Sniper, or American Sniper, American Hustle, different <laughs> film. Yes, not quite the same thing. The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, 
It was fun to watch it with the smarter two-thirds because, of course, they love the girl empowerment of this of right. a woman taking taking her own uh, taking her own uh, things own business into her own hands and doing it her way. And there's a, there's a fun sequence when they talk about and if you ever look back at home shopping channels from the '80s. Um, you know, they had they brought in Joan Rivers, and yeah, there's, there's mm-hmm. a fun cameo of Melissa Rivers playing her mom, and the fact that she didn't want to have her hair dolled up and look like a, a cast member of Dynasty when promoting a mop. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, and so so there's a lot of that in this, and and you know, David O. Russell gets really good performances out of Jennifer Lawrence, and it's he's an intriguing director because there are other people that have or wanted to punch him in the face. But uh, but he's he seems to have a good groove with these films. Um, it's is it? Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as American Hustle or The Fighter. But it's still it's still a solid film nonetheless, and a really solid performance from from the likes of the usual suspects, especially Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is usually pretty flawless, and she does the the strong independent woman um, really really well. And I do think it's actually very hard to do uh, properly. And I think I've everything I've seen her in thus far, I've absolutely enjoyed and we'll see her turn blue later this summer yeah of course we will there's that (laughs) um other titles uh okay so these are two films based on novels i don't know if you have copies of the books at your shop at the two sisters in in the depot district in richmond but the the latest nicholas sparks epic the choice we have nicholas sparks There's, her, she squinted when she when, <laughs> when she said that, and then um, the fifth wave, where the end of the world is coming, and this time it's Chloe Grace Martz that's going to help uh, humanity out as the world is going to hell in a handbag. Well, good for her. <laughs> All right, so those films are out on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, no, I did not see those. Uh, I decided to see. Uh, I, I had already seen Joy, but there was one I had had heard about and. I don't think it even came to Indianapolis, so I'm glad it came out on, on Blu-ray. But it's a film called Remember, and it's directed by Adam McGoyan, who gave us Exotica, The Sweet Hereafter. Um, and and it's probably, we, 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 there was a couple of write-ups. I was reading the AV Club and the Onion. I think you know when you're, two of your earliest films are Exotica, which is still hailed as a, as a huge cult favorite, and then he gets a Best Directing nomination for The Sweet Hereafter, which is a, a, a great film. And uh, he's never really come close since. It's really it's time to retire and sit back and mock everyone. Well, I, I but he's still out there making stuff. So <laughs> I mean, even films like Chloe and and others. But this one, it's it's uh, I think the Onion referred to it as a minor step up, and it is. Um, it stars Christopher Plummer, Martin Landau, Bruno Ganz, and I hope pardon my German if I'm saying um, Jürgen Prochnow. For you fans of uh, Das Boot and Beer Fest, nice. but uh, Plummer plays a, uh, a retiree who's in the uh, who's who's into who's in Alzheimer's mode, and uh, as we find out, he was also a survivor of the Holocaust. Martin Landau, knowing that uh, at, and this is after uh, Plummer's wife dies, he made a promise that he would go after the uh, the soldiers, the the Nazis who killed his family in Auschwitz, and Landau types out. Uh, a specifically written task for Plummer's character to go and fulfill this promise. So you have the hunting aspect, the hunting aspect by a man almost ninety, and a hunting aspect by a man almost ninety who's in, who's slipping in and out of Alzheimer's in the early stages of Alzheimer's and Nazis and Nazis old well we'll old you, Nazis. You'll no, see. everybody likes the implication of Nazis in movies. Right. Well, the, here is Adam McGoin's attempt on this. Didn't write the screenplay. It's a, a new writer, and uh, so. Th- 
really solid performances from Plummer and and Landau and Gans and and Jurgen. Um, especially and Landau is in a chair the whole time, so it's it's all internal. Uh, but but Plummer, who you know is is everybody loves, and you know so glad he got an Oscar late in life, and he's still doing fascinating stuff. Um, still doing you know work with Terry Gilliam, and he gets to do this. You know he gets he basically carries this film, um, and so the so there's a series of encounters, some more tense than others, some uh, almost tread into B movie territory, but that's not necessarily a bad thing with this picture because yes, it's it's Nazi revenge film absolutely at, at times. You got I love that. Combined with the aspects of an old man's whose memory is slipping. And and a couple of uh, gut-punching twists at the end. So I would say go rent this. Um, don't eat, don't end an evening on this. You know, rent, yeah, make sure you had a good day. First. Watch Bob's Burgers or, some, or Archer <laughs> before you go to sleep after watching this. So those are out on a DVD and Blu-ray. A couple of old titles on Blu-ray. Criterion has put out the 1969 biker film Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper who also starred in it, along with Peter Fonda and Jack Nicholson, helped change filmmaking as we know it in the late 60s, and we were, uh, we were all the better for it. Um, even if the film is a tad dated, we used to have a drinking game in college. You would take a drink every time Dennis Hopper said, man. Oh, there are some films that you just have to, you, this, they, they played their part, and you honor that. Right. So, and and that's what I do with the uh, with the teenagers. Remind her, like, you got to remember, this is nineteen forty something. Right. This was this was pretty big. In fact, I think this weekend I'm watching The Graduate for the first time in a long time. The other title, and I remember seeing this in the theaters when I was fourteen. The uh, the detective comedy City Heat, the one and only pairing with Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood, uh, set in the Depression, didn't do well as expected. Troubled, troubled uh, shooting. Change, directors were changed, but it's fun to watch these two just kind of snick at, snick and snap at each other. Um, so there is that. So those are basically every. So if if none of those entice you, I can't help you. Go find another film elsewhere. No, <laughs> or you can go buy online. I got grief because I'm a book in hand person, mm-hmm. but um, the misadventures of Martin Hathaway. Kate, when when did this? trilogy uh i'm I'm burying the lead a little bit but when did this story first pop into your mind um i've been working on the story for about three years now i actually was uh, trying to write uh, as all english majors do when they get out of college tried to write the great american novel and it was very serious and very poignant and said many many hard truths capital t capital g capital a capital absolutely N. hemingway would have been proud for a while but then it was it was terrible because and you don't I'm have not. a hole in your head right nope nope <laughs> So, um, and in the middle of doing this, I got I got bored with attempting to be smart, <laughs> and, and decided instead that I, I'd rather be clever. Um, and I worked in I worked in this character who wrote graphic novels, and his graphic novels that he wrote were The Misadventures of Martin Hathaway. And I enjoyed the concept of the story that my fictitious character had written so much. I was like, I'm going to write these, and I did. I've written the first. Um, I've got the first two. Of the trilogy are done. The first one released uh, March 14th exclusively on Amazon, and it's on uh, Kindle Unlimited if you're a subscriber to that. Um, in ebook form, the paperback will be coming out shortly later this year, hopefully. Publishing's always fun, but that's coming. Um, and that should be available in bookstores and again on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well. Okay, so I, that was my next thing. So it's you have two thirds of the trilogy done. Yes. When did you start writing part one? Three years ago. And when did you start writing part two? Three years ago. So you did that in succession. I wrote these very quickly, yeah. And I actually I've been sitting on part three for a while because 
um, there's a, there's a, there's a big story arc um, between the characters that's moving through it, and I really want to be very genuine to it. And it's been that's actually been very difficult. The first two were were really really quite simple, um, which doesn't actually say anything about the complexity of the storyline or anything. It's just they were very genuine and they came out very very easily uh for me and that was a lot of fun and now this one i just i maybe it's a panic of mixing the the stories together but i really want the ending to be very genuine to what they've been so far so you i mean you you don't have an original ending that you scrapped or no i have it and i'm trying to get to it of and course that's, that's the yeah we, the, the, the bringing your characters along with you so tell us a little bit more about what uh what what misadventures that martin goes through um, so Martin Hathaway is a history teacher, and he goes on a camping trip and falls off a cliff into another universe, as people are wont to do. Um, and he crash lands through a skylight uh, onto the coffee table of the, an airship captain. And he runs into the airship captain and his her crew and joins up with them. And they go um, around this planet of Arnica trying to discover effectively why Martin is there and how to get rid of him. Um, and they run into they run into a lot of different misadventures with um, different kind of mythological creatures, um, animals, other races. They go to a lot of different places on the planet, and it's really it's very fun. It's um, there's a lot of blending of old mythology and some kind of classic fantasy tropes. And it was one of those like I really felt when I was writing it, I was like, this is a fantasy story for people who read a lot of fantasy stories, and we can play with the, the genre, and it'll be a lot of fun. But actually, having listened to people uh, review and, you know, the reader's experience with the books, it's one of those really great kind of introductions to uh, fantasy and mythology as well, where it takes you along um, several things that are um, tropes and are uh, longstanding mythological stories um, that a lot of people don't necessarily encounter. And, and we were talking off air. It's, it's not a YA book. No, it's not. It's um, I really dislike classifications like that as well, especially as a bookstore owner. That's I was about to say. the classifications, and everybody's like, they come in and they're like, "What do I get for a boy for who's twelve? Anything? <laughs> Maybe not the Kama Sutra, but he'd probably like that too, Tropic right? Of cancer, right? Absolutely. Wait, wait, like, is there a push up? Is there a pop up version of the Kama Sutra? You know there is. There's a, but there's you don't a, have it, right? No, <laughs> we have standards at the Two Sisters. No, no, but um, no, but but really, I really hate that kind of labeling of of books and I understand from a marketing standpoint why that's done but this is a book for people to enjoy any people who feels like enjoying it go for it do you have anything that's good no <laughs> do you have anything I'd like I always love that and they happen all the time okay when I was four I had this book and it was green and there was a hen in it and I was like oh super this won't take animal, me all day animal farm <laughs> right absolutely that must have been it my uh, video store experience, and yeah, uh, Dante and Randall and Clerks were huge influences on me, mm. but it was a uh, um, guy comes, was it a guy? It comes in, and uh, I'm looking for this recent Michael Douglas movie, The American President. No. It's set <laughs> in Washington. The American President. Are you, no. Aww. And finally, yeah, here, when you have to actually grab the box and physically show them, look, this, this is what you're looking for. It is. I promise. Yes. You've got to, just just watch it anyway. You'll be fine. Okay. So um so anyway, so um so two, part 2 of the trilogy, you know, two two out of 3, it's not bad. No. And uh that's really so I think that's really cool cuz I cuz I wasn't sure do you I mean do you outline before you write or do you no. just freeform? I write. I just write. Um I typically like I'll do some bouncing off of ideas with people, but for the most part I write it and I might go back and put things in and move things around, but for the most part it's freeform. It just Okay, Comes on out. space monkeys. There, there's my suggestion. Thank you. 
Noted. No, do you get that? Do you get that? Hey, you know what you should write? You know what you should write about? Yeah. You know what you'd write? Yeah, no, we get that. I get that a lot. And it's really? hel- it's helpful sometimes. Sometimes it is. Because um, especially like when you're stuck, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. And uh, one of the greatest one of these is um, I was stuck and I was like, you know what? I don't know what, exactly what happens now, but I feel like we've had enough exposition. They need to be attacked by something. Space monkeys. Right. <laughs> and my sister was like, well, how about you throw a rock at them? And I started laughing like I thought she wanted me to just have someone chuck a rock like that comes from the ground at them. And she, of course, meant the mythological bird that appears in Sinbad the Sailor and attacks them and is actually a very logical thing to attack an airship. But I found that very funny. Or picking up Dwayne Johnson and hurling him at somebody. Right. That, that, I, that might save the trilogy right so, there. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So once again, where can people get the book? It's available on exclusively right now, the ebook on Amazon. Okay. Now... The the two sisters, which has been in the depot district in beautiful downtown Richmond since two thousand and twelve. Two thousand twelve. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah, we're gonna get a little book heavy, and we might get a little Richmond heavy here. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, it is about seventy minutes from downtown Indianapolis to downtown Richmond, Indiana. I d- don't look at the atlas. The atlas is misleading. Um, you know, if if I-70 is in good shape, and most of the time it is, or if you want a scenic drive, there's 40, but you can get there in a little over an hour. I think you can get from downtown Indy to downtown Richmond faster. Sometimes you can go home to Carmel, Richmond, or uh, Zionsville, or Fishers, or Zionsville. So there's that. It's absolutely worth the drive, too. A lot of small towns try and tell you they're worth the drive, and they're not. But Richmond really <laughs> Really is. There's a lot. If you're driving for an hour, there is enough there to justify yeah, having you, driven an hour. I guess they, they, I, there was a cover story, I believe, in Nuvo this week of one tank trips. Maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in the de- the be- depot district, which is of course right by the, the old depot, which still has spaces available for businesses. Um, but you have, of course, you are near. You're down the street from uh, where uh, you can get a massage. You can get coffee and beer and wine. Sometimes in the same day. Yep. Um, you're down the street from Little Sheba's, and you're across from the giant furniture store where they'll save you money. And a few antique. Yes, there's plenty of antiquing places. It's Wayne County. And if you turn the corner to the left, because I love making hand gestures on radio, <laughs> um, there's a barbecue place that has live music. And if you go across the way, there's a brewery, uh, New Boswell, as well as the kitchen and the loft. And there's and there's only there's also two breweries in Richmond. Plus a winery. So shout out to Noble Order and J&J over there. So there's plenty to do there. Of course, the Richmond Shakespeare Festival is happening in June. Come see me. Down at the Gorge. <laughs> Come see you. We'll put the plug in. Yes, I, I will be I will be making an appearance in King Lear. As? As somebody who appears in King Lear. <laughs> she's don't, she's don't, King Lear. Yeah, she's calling, he's calling me out on the talent here. No, but I will be there. All yes. right. So and, I, and, uh, you can bring your, your ebook and I will digitally sign a copy. Have you ever done that? Well, no, but I was just going to take a sharpie to someone's Kindle, and they'll thank that me later. Over well, so yeah, you might see me at King. You might <laughs> see me at King later, well, for other purposes. All right. So anyway, so how are things? How are things at the bookstore? Things are good. Um, it's really great because it's the two sisters, which means I basically leave the other one in charge, and things run well. Uh, no, but we're really things are going really well. We're building constantly, building and expanding the shelving and the inventory. Um, tomorrow. Again, if you're in, which is not going to be tomorrow because we are not live. It, it don't worry about that. It's okay. Okay. Well, when you come to town, when you well no because I'm talking about an actual event. Oh, oh, jeez. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
Um, on Saturday, we're having a City Life event where it's a um, cultural trail coming through, kind of highlighting all the different cultural aspects we have going on in Richmond. And we're going to have this big um, poster hanging out that people can sign with their favorite quotes from literature. And we're going to have that um, framed and then hanging up in the in the bookstore, which is kind of our next neat little project of kind of um, community-generated art to go in there. What time is that happening? I think 11 to 2. Hmm. Mrs. Sosti will be busy with commencement. Maybe the the teenager and I'll swing by. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll write stuff. Well, sign we'll, the poster. Become a mortal. We'll sign stuff from the Kama Sutra <laughs> with drawings. So no. Um. So I know you and your sister, of course, take care of the place, and and it alternates. Your dad's there from time to time. It, it is a family project. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, th- a couple things of note when you go in there. So I mean, do people just donate books? For, uh, to the shop as well? They have, and that's been very bizarre. That was not part of our business model, but it's people. People just dump books people off? People wander in, and there'll be people we know, and most of the time, though, they will not be people we know, and they bring us things. And so we always have uh, inventories constantly changing just f- because of that, and we found some really just fantastic used books um, to put on the shelves there. I think probably main highlight coming to see us, we've got, of course, the Harry Potter room. I was going to say, that was, that was the first thing my daughter fell in love with. There is a little room, and it's it's literally... Under some stairs. Yep, we have a closet under the stairs, and we've done it up um, like Harry Potter's little cupboard under the stairs. And that that has just taken off. That was one of those things where we were like, this would be cool to have in the children's section. And it uh, somebody picked it up on Reddit, and we've had people coming from different places across the country with signs that said, I'm, I'm in Harry's room, or I made it to Harry's <laughs> room, and that's going on. So that's it's really, really fun, and people, people generally enjoy going in there. And in the back room... And we have our back room is um it's the solarium which is available for events and parties and meetings uh but it is of course being alluded to right now because it's Sherlock Holmes themed which is very very cool and Matt of course is very excited about it because we have a picture of him playing Moriarty from Richmond Civic Theater. I'm the only the non-Holmes non-Watson on this. Uh, well, my wall is wonderful. I don't know about the other one, but yeah, but yeah, there you can see uh, Ben and Martin and Roberts and Jude and Jeremy and Daniel and 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 the rest of the usual suspects. So, so yeah, that's that's it's a fun, and we used that back room um, last year. No, two years ago. My God, of know, right? uh, when we did, uh, we read a Shakespeare play every Sunday afternoon. So thirty eight weeks, thirty eight weeks of food and drink, in the and room. that was fun. So anyway, but yeah, th- there is plenty to do in Richmond, and it's only an hour away. So that's so you you were mentioning earlier. I guess we're also doing group therapy now. So oh. what are no what are what are some customer questions that you often get at the shop? Besides besides vague plot plot descriptions. To be honest, like we we've been there since two thousand twelve, and we constantly get, oh, did you just open? Constantly, yeah. That's or we hard. get the we get the wonderful like, oh, well, this. I assume the store was here yesterday or was here last week. And I was like, no, I promise you, we were here last week. And that's fine. <laughs> so um, we get that a lot. Um, again, it's a lot of searches for obscure, obscure things. Which again, when you're in used book territory, I guess that comes up. It's we, a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, we always like to tell people we're we're kind of like Netflix. It's really better if you don't come <laughs> expecting something but want to find something. Um, but yeah, but like we had um, I, I remember we had some woman came in once with a um, a photograph of a guidebook she had bought in Germany, oh my and God. she wanted us to find a copy of it, and we did. We we found not obviously in our inventory, oh, but we 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 did a lot of internet research and we found this thing for her, which was pretty exciting. But um, so yeah, we've had we've had a lot of a lot of interesting interesting. 
request. I always like it because in the front is where the quote unquote the the classics, where it's mm-hmm. really well known titles, well known authors. There is a little side side shelf devoted to Shakespeare, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> and and there have been times where people just kind of. I, I remember I was a part of a student film being shot in the mm-hmm. back. Yeah, we've had a film shot there, and we've had um, a lot of people like to take their uh, senior pictures at our store. Really? Because of the background, yeah. And we actually had one couple came in and did uh, wedding photos in our store, which is a Seriously? really fun day. Yeah, that oh, was that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. See, I always like because I always make fun of the uh, if it's not Meyer or Sears when you get the draw with the fake background, whether right. it's yep. the trees or the bookshelves with the globe. So the fact that they actually got an actual bookshelf behind them, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was really neat. Um, moving on to another. Now, I know for a while y- you ladies had a – I'm going to word it carefully, but you had the literary cinematic bohunk list. It was the monthly movie crush. There you go. Yeah. So is that still happening or is that is – that, That's that... fallen off, but it will probably um, become revived. But that was a promotion we were doing for a while where we would um, <clears throat> we would create a different display of – novels that our favorite actors have appeared in and so we we made a little uh heart-shaped frame and put the a- actor who was in the monthly movie crush in there and then um we would write about uh, that actor and his filmography on on our website um and then we had those books available so yeah the monthly movie crush was a lot of fun can, you give, can you give a few a few monthly crushes that well were... obviously we did cumberbatch who was has been in everything and no one can get him to sit down so that that display was very large. And by the way, we saw the trailer for Doctor Strange last night, and yes, somebody next did. to me got really giddy. He had a cape. It was pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, so we did. Yeah, um, we did. Uh, we did Humphrey Bogart, and we did um, Leslie Howard. Uh, just because Leslie Howard was born fifty, absolutely, and he was he was born ready for literature, and he he did many many wonderful things. <laughs> now, um, the other thing I was curious about is um, what what have been some of your favorite books made in the films who who got it right in the adaptation department see this is fun this concept of got it right because i actually wrote um i've written an article about this uh my real definition of what makes a successful adaptation is Mm. not um 100 truth to what was written in the novel but truth to the author's intent and i feel like what an author expresses and um what they achieve and what they intend are not always the same thing. Stanley Kubrick nods in agreement. Right, absolutely. So some of my favorite ones are actually ones that are probably don't follow the storyline very well at all. <coughs> um, case in point, uh, Stardust is one of my absolute favorites. It's beautifully done, wonderful characters. Robert De Niro is fantastic. And Robert De Niro's character is not in the original book whatsoever. Then it's almost unrecognizable plot-wise from Neil Gaiman's original story. But... In truth to the characters-wise, I think it's even more true than that original story was, since I really appreciate about that. And that, of course, leads a segue to what most pure fantasy fans and book fans are all going to be really angry with me for, is I absolutely adored the Hobbit trilogy. And it's I enjoyed still the Hobbit ending. I enjoyed the, no, that's that's the that's, Return that's of the King. That's yeah. I know. No, but I enjoyed it for those reasons. I feel like um, Tolkien. You know, as a writer, when he was getting into the Lord of the Rings, wanted to connect them. But The Hobbit is a completely different style and type of a book from the Lord of the Rings, but even from itself. Like, you are you know, it's it's running along. It's this nice little children's story, and they're wearing yellow cloaks, and they're wearing purple cloaks, and then everyone's dead. And you're like, Tolkien, what is this? My child is crying. Like, And that's, I think, um, what the Lord of the Rings has – what the Lord of the Rings film series has done – really tied it in very well to an overall picture of Tolkien's universe. 
but because I, I, Chris Lloyd from the Film Yap, I'm sure will correct me on this, but hmm. uh, but I think you know I think it was in the first where in the Hobbit one you know one character is mentioned one time. And then they get like 20 minutes. Right. But again, like he's mentioned one time in The Hobbit and you're supposed to be impressed by that. Okay. And I remember reading that being like, do I know this person? And I flipped back to it and I was like, no, I don't know this person. And then you have to find him later in appendices in The Lord of the Rings. So, I, again, I really think Tolkien's story shifts as he's writing it towards more like The Lord of the Rings. And I think had he done it again it, the movie that we saw is probably the book that we would have gotten. And it would still be directed by Peter Jackson. Absolutely. In his shorts and giant beard. Absolutely. Did you ever see Ralph Bashke's Lord of the Rings? Is that the cartoon? Yes. Yes. Let me tell you about this. Oh, <laughs> oh tell me about it. It was. I was a very small child with a very nerdy <laughs> older brother, and I watched that, and I... You were how old? I was... I was I was under five. I know that. Ooh, I was oh, very oh. absolutely terrified, and I had recurring nightmares of this cartoon finger flying through the air in slow motion, and I never knew why because I was five. I did not retain that that was Frodo Baggins from The Lord of the Rings. I just knew that I had this nightmare of this cartoon finger. So flash forward several years, and The Lord of the Rings finally releases, and I'm taking my little sister as a Christmas gift to go see it because she had read the books and was all into this, uh-huh. and I was sitting down in the movie theater theater watching the film and watching the film with no idea what I was watching and all of a sudden I was seized with this panic attack because I was watching Frodo Baggins and I went this guy's gonna get his finger bit off and I can't get out of the theater (laughs) but it's okay because it it was two films later and so I, I, I made it you're okay now I made it I was okay see when you were saying flying finger I was thinking of uh yellow submarine the giant flying fizz. Right. So different, different. Not quite di- as terrifying, different but appendage. different, different terrifying. So, God, you're under five when you saw this. So Ralph Bashke in general is just, you know. That, he has that's a lot to answer, answer for. He doesn't. He made, <laughs> he, he made Fritz the Cat and other things. No, uh, there was also that period, because that was a period of, I obviously I'm older, but there was that period in the 70s and early 80s when you had a lot of dark animated features. I mean, because I, I think as, as kids, we I were... I was born in the middle of that period. So we were, prepa- we were prepared for Disney and the Peanuts. And so, yeah, stuff like Lord of the Rings. I still discuss um, Watership Down. Mm. Um, you have Fantastic Planet, which is going to get a Criterion release. Um, Secret of Nim. Uh, Fox and Hound also kind of all of those kind of kind of dark. Yeah, um, Dot and the Kangaroo. I remember it used to be on the early incarnations of uh, HBO, the Australian animated feature. And um, oh gosh, there was there was one other. Oh, uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy, which was a little weird. And the Mouse mm-hmm. and the Child, all really kind of dark in tone. Yeah. So fast, you know. The, and we turned out okay. What are my greatest um, justifications for childhood fears? Was, Let them wet their pants is what Maurice said. Right, absolutely. It was now we recently rewatched the Dark Crystal, and that was absolutely as terrifying as I remember it being. And I felt really good about my young self not actually being scared by you know shadows in the corner, but in fact, absolutely terrifying things. Thanks, Mister Henson. And we shouldn't. We we sometimes have to remind parents that hey, some of the Disney stuff you own, you know, going through the dark prickly forest and yeah, yeah, a little fear is all right. We're okay. I'm still here. You are still here. Um, all right. I want to move on to there was a, there was a fun piece in the Onions AV Club. Well, it's always a go-to. Well, I've actually I've asked this question with previous guests, and I'll ask it with you, Kate. Um, we there was an AV Club question. A, 
about a m- couple months ago. But what soundtrack would you like to see performed live? Ten Things I Hate About You. Really? And I mean, we, we dated myself with the movies I saw as a small child, but this probably, again, is dating me here. But, no, how fun would that concert be? It would be amazing. And then that little tribute, some point in the middle that's going to get everybody weepy to Heath Ledger singing uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. That, that would God, be I'm just going to it. I'm going to it right now. So let's see what we have. Um, Bare Naked Ladies, Joan Jett, Casey and JoJo, Spider Bait. Air, Sprung Monkey, Letters to Cleo, um, Chopin. Hey, Chopin makes an appearance. How's Yay, that? Huh? See all, all Brick, the fun. Cameo, George Clinton, Salt and Pepper. Hey, George Clinton was just in town. The SOS Band, Notorious B.I.G., Thompson Twins, The Cardigans, Letters to Cleo, uh, Tagana. Don't know who that is. Madness. I love Madness. That would be cool. Um, Leroy, uh, Joan Arm Trading, Color Field. Seismonic, God, this is huge. Um, Sister right. Hazel, Save Ferris, uh, Letters to Cleo, and yeah, so there's that. So that okay, that's a good one. That's pretty yeah. good. I like that. Okay, the other question that came up, um, and this was last week, it, and it was what film, uh, what film would you, what film are you happy that you got to see in the theater? And I think it came down to two different types of answers. One was. I think the visual aspect of it, you know, whether it, whether yeah. it's a a huge spectacle, um, you know, something like uh, we'll get I'll get to the answers in a little bit. So so one was for pure spectacle spectacle. The other one was for the the cinematic experience. Um, you know, the crowd was really into it or they really weren't into it or, you know, you saw something completely by yourself. That was that is that has been brought up in in a couple of postings. Um so get um actually here we go here's the uh of course the, yeah they have to use the picture from magic mike for the cover story <laughs> so some of the answers according to the AV club uh paranormal activity the first one and that was a crowd experience mm-hmm. you know everybody screaming somebody mentioned the ring another one really enjoyed the film but you know, I cra- was very happy to see that in the comfort of my own home there you go <laughs> but it was not on VHS Absolutely. Okay. Um, some another writer wrote the Times Square opening weekend screening of the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. That person was showing off. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see. Another writer wrote, "Oh, <laughs> when he was in elementary school in 1999, and the parents yanked him out of class to see Star Wars Episode One. Oh, in yeah, elementary school. he wins. Yep." Um, actually glad I saw Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull in theaters. Um, me too. Uh, Gravity, really glad I saw that in theaters. Um, Straight Outta Compton. Grindhouse, which I I actually saw in the theater, and, and yeah, that is yep. one of the most fun experiences. This, and so somebody else wrote this experience, and I had the exact same one, of, of seeing Magic Mike. I saw it 10 a.m. on a Friday morning, and I was probably one of the only guys in the theater because a lot of women took a lot of days off <laughs> to go see that. Because I still, to this day, they wanted the strip the strip club experience without the two-drink minimum, the $20 you know cover, and the walk of shame. And they were really disappointed that there was a lot of conversation, that there was a lot of talking, plot yeah. stuff. So um, Watchmen on the big screen, sure. Mad Max Fury Road, absolutely. Yep. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron, yeah. yeah. Um, Star Wars, 
The first one, <clears throat> somebody wrote Star, Star Wars, Wars Force the, Awakens. Star Wars, the most recent one, absolutely. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yep, and that was fun because from a generational standpoint, because right. we were seeing guys, you know, I was now my dad's age or that way, and, you know, kids who were my age going to see the stuff. Somebody wrote The Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Okay. Um, Wet Hot American Summer. Songs my brother songs brought my brothers taught me, and somebody who saw the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure in an empty theater in New York, nice. uh, and in Ghostbusters two for some reason. Um, do you have any experiences that make you think of that you're really happy you saw it in a the theater? Yeah, I can think of a couple. I mean, obviously, based on previous conversation, you can probably guess one of them is going to be the Lord of the Rings. That was an absolute. It was a cinematic masterpiece. It was beautiful. It was huge on the screen. And we went, you know, we went to the midnight showings, and that was, it was so much fun. My friend dropped a cappuccino on his pants, you know, like it was, it was good times. So we really, really loved that. It was cappuccino right. dropping inducing. Right, absolutely. He tried to sneak a cappuccino into the theater, succeeded, but then forgot he had it in his pants and sat down. And so we smelled like coffee for three hours. It was a good time. Um, and then along those lines, the Harry Potter. Absolutely. I'm really glad that I was at that age um, where I was growing with the Harry Potter and that, you know, I saw it in high school and up until up into college, um, watching all those Harry Potters come out. That was really, really an amazing experience. Um, So that I think for experience wise, those those two films. Absolutely. Um, Visual wise, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Steven Soderbergh version. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, And just mesmerizing just to sit back and watch that. And that, that for me, was the Magic Mike. I never actually saw Magic Mike. Um, it's Steven Soderbergh's Boogie Nights. Yeah, Because the story of, a, of you know, th- th- he actually dared to say that, you know, if you're a male stripper and, and you're 30, it, it's almost like being a Hooters waitress when you're 40. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to do things. Um, yeah, so the fact that they wrote Grindhouse, I remember seeing Grindhouse in the theater mm-hmm. and absolutely loved that. I guess from, yeah, from a scope mm-hmm. Stand from a size standpoint, I've been able to see two David Lean films on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I was 14 when A Passage to India came out in theaters. So okay. I remember going to that. I remember mm-hmm. being, also being the youngest person in the theater by good 30 years. Good for you. And then um, in the summer of 1989, I paid $10. This is $1989. The Fox, <laughs> the Fox Theater in Detroit had just done a million dollar, multi-million dollar renovation and I saw a 70 millimeter print of Lawrence of Arabia. Nice. With live organ accompaniment. It was. I bet that was fun. That was it cool. was amazing. Um, and it's funny because I was going through the lit. I mean, I went through the uh, reader comments in the uh, in the Onion, mm-hmm. which is more evolved than say the readers' comments in YouTube. And you know everything from anything Pixar to Interstellar mm-hmm. to Duck Soup to Metropolis. Somebody wrote Wild Things. It was a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, was, uh, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Black Dynamite, The Color Purple, with an all with an all almost all African American audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Zardoz, which I inflicted on the Zillix recently. Hi guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of those I think are, are definitely on there. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, Emma got to see The Hateful Eight <coughs> during Christmas. That was her first Tarantino film in the theater. Aww. So that was fun. I uh, I tell the story, and I will embarrass her. I'm sorry, but I remember we I took her to see Interstellar because she loved Inception, mm-hmm. and then um, oh, that's on the list. Inception, Incep- yeah. yeah. There, um, so we go, and it's on an IMAX screen, and it's huge, and we get done, and 
we allow her to say certain things, but but she the very first thing she says was, "That was a great bleeping movie," <laughs> and I was not I was not as crazy about it as she was. And I held my tongue, and I held my tongue for as long as I could. Oh, good for you! But then, and then I think, oh, after the after I re- recorded the film show, mm-hmm. she asked me what I thought, and I, I had to be honest with her. You and and to the show. Uh, no, she no, she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> God, are you kidding? Uh, now, that she, now that she's done her contribution to the show's history, she's done. She's good to go. But uh, no, but but she's backed off of that a little bit, and I felt bad because I I have I am partially to blame for that. Um, I remember taking her and Lynn to Cave of Forgotten Dreams in 3D. Nice. Which, uh, or as Lynn likes to describe it, cave drawings and hearts of space music. And narrated by Werner Herzog. Always cool. Um, Yeah, I remember, I've been to a couple of midnight movies, of course, seeing The Room with an audience, seeing Miami Connection with an audience, Mm -hmm. dragging Lynn to Enter the Dragon. Did I? No, I dragged her to Superfly. Um, seeing Enter, Enter the Dragon at a midnight movie theater in Chicago, a lot of, you know, mm. so there are those. And and I, I also remember as a kid um, going to see Halloween with my father and my older brother. He's He was 14. I was eight. Mm. And because um, I remember Jaws scared the hell out of me when I was five. And then going to see Halloween and watching the movie. But but there was there was an equal amount of screams and laughter. And laughter threw me off. I didn't understand that. Aww. And and then over time, I found out. Well, it's it's that's you know that's part of the fun. That's why uh-huh. people ride roller coasters. They go to spook houses. People being scared is fun for some people. Mm-hmm. So so I got which which really helped out when we did Titus Andronicus last Absolutely. summer at the Richard Shakespeare that Festival. That was a fear fest. That was a fear fest, but it was also really bloody fun, literally and that and was, figuratively. That was so. quite a lot of fun. But anyway, so I um. Those listening to the show, go to uh, go to my Facebook page or go to tw- what are you on Twitter? Uh, at Catherine C. Glenn. There you go, with a K. Catherine with a K, T H R Y N. There you go. Um, but uh, we'd I'd love to hear what other people say as far as their stuff that they're happy that they got to see on the big screen because that we could do a couple of days on that Absolutely. just based on experiences of that. So I am definitely one. This is a sappy story and silly, Uh-oh. but I am happy that I saw the first of the new Muppet movies in the theater entirely because I was very I am a I am a massive massive Muppet fan and I was very skeptical about somebody. A reboot. Yeah, very very much. Um, but I went to see it because it's the Muppets. So I'm going to go. And you're a Muppet of a man. I, <laughs> right. I, I am a Muppety man. That is for that uh-huh. is for sure. Um, no, but uh, Kermit starts singing about if they should do it again or not, and he's got this one line where he was like, "Would anybody watch or even care?" And I wept. Aww. I wept. I was like, "I am here, Kermit. I care." <laughs> like I was glad to be there. I will count to that because when Lynn, Emma, and I saw it, the Muppets Most Wanted, and of course the opening number makes fun of sequels and what uh-huh. film they should go. Yep. We were the only ones who got the image of the Swedish chef playing chess with death that was in beautiful. black and white. That and was we, a thing of beauty. Point one for film nerds. Good so, for that. all right, ladies and gentlemen, some words to live by. Silent Green is people! Zardoz has spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kate Glenn, the author of The Misadventures of Martin Hathaway, which is available at... Amazon.com. And uh, you can go to the two sisters where? At Richmond, Indiana, 193 Fort Wayne Avenue in the heart of the Depot District. So, Kate, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. That was fun. We will do we will do another movie time very soon. I will come and talk all things Marvel. Don't worry. 
<laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks, Kate. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. This is Elmore Leonard. I'm I'm listening to Film Sociology, and and uh, it it's a real program. It's great.